Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and PT pearls to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. All right, so Jen and I are super excited for our next guest, Galahad Clark, who is the CEO and founder of Vivo Barefoot Shoes. CEO, that's Chief Ecosystems Officer. And that's something super cool that he's going to talk about how this company, Vivo Barefoot, has focused on barefoot shoes, what that does for our body, and how he has taken this mentality with Vivo Barefoot to rewild and take care of our world as we take care of the humans that he's putting shoes on. Some of you may have heard Jen and I wear these shoes. It's about all that we wear. We wear for everything from exercise to walking around to going out on the town. Click the link in the show notes. And also there's a hundred day trial where if you don't like the shoes or if they don't resonate or work for you in those first hundred days, you can send them back. No questions asked. So listen up, check out some Bevo Barefoot shoes and hopefully really get some good tidbits from Galahad. There's been a code change. Use code OPTIMAL now at checkout to get that 15% off. The code is OPTIMAL. All right, Galahad, we're so honored to have you here and be able to chat with you about everything. Uh, But first of all, we really just want to say, you know, what is your mission? What is your, what do you feel like your passion is that you're bringing here to the world, really? It's funny, my mission got sort of handed to me on a, in a pair of Nike shoes, sort of more than, well, God, more than 10 years ago now, when a childhood friend of mine came to me with a pair of Nikes where he cut the sole off and stitched on a tennis racket cover onto the bottom and said, this is the way shoes should be made. And um, I was obviously come from a long line of cobblers and in, in some ways never wanted to go into the shoe business. I was always interested in the intersection of business and social justice as my mm. Quaker forefathers had sort of pioneered in the 20th century and in the 19th century. And um, But always thought I'd avoid the shoe business, but by hook or by crook, I was, I was kind of in it. I was doing a couple of small brands, not barefoot shoes, and this pair of Nikes with the sole cut off appeared in my hands and um, I just instinctively loved the idea and it was then through complete experiential journey and education journey I started meeting sort of barefoot enthusiasts you know along with scientists and medics and you know it's amazing how little shoe industry people really know about the anatomy of the foot and biomechanics body um, and the more I learned the more I experienced the the more it's a sort of truth that you can't unknow and so it's kind of probably about 2012 that I became clear to me that my mission was to bring feet back to the shoe industry and I think you know in, in that journey it's a what we could say is a, literally a reconnection of people and the planet um, it also, at the same time, I was on a great sustainability education, and particularly there was a piece from an American guy called John Ehrenfeld, who said the you know who, whose definition of sustainability was that life and other animals need to be able to flourish on Earth, and the only excuse for filling the world up with more products or more services is that 
these things should help us connect more with nature, should make us feel more human, and or start to answer important environmental and ethical questions. And I realized that the only shoes we were making that even came close to that were barefoot shoes. So there's a combination of biomechanics and anatomy and sustainability, and it all coalesced around making barefoot shoes. And I realized that, you know, my mission in life is to basically get as many people into barefoot shoes as possible. And, you know, I believe that, you know, that they literally then connect more with their bodies, they connect more with nature, and they'll start to look after each other and the planet more. That's really cool. And that's really like, I'm just sitting here grinning, hearing the story because it's the first time we've really heard the story in depth of how you started to get this initial idea of birthing this this Vivo Barefoot brand. And um, it's interesting because in 2012, so I'm at this point in the height of my athletic career and I'm wearing all of these <laughs> Nikes with you know, for basketball shoes and football cleats and baseball cleats. And this is like one of the heights of innovation of the sports shoe, at least as we're seeing. And EGAD, this friends of yours comes and cuts the bottom off of a pair of Nikes and puts a tennis racket cover on it. Like what made him think to do this right away? What did you wear these things? Did you experience wearing them? And why did it make sense for him? And then for you? He was a student. He was an engineering student at the Royal mm-hmm. College of Art. And there's a nice circular story there that I'll I'll tell you in a minute. And he was getting injured a lot playing sport. It was through Alexander Technique. Have you heard of Alexander Technique? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sort of postural alignment therapy, basically, that he, which is practiced barefoot. A lot of musicians use it and I think it's used a lot in early childhood development stuff. But he realized that he was never healthier and happier and recovering from his injuries better than when he was barefoot. And so in fairness, it it was him that, made the leap to why can't shoes give me that feeling all the time and he realized every time he went back to putting on his sort of normal sneakers he was sort of more injury prone that's how it began and yeah just it was it was a shot out of the it was bold out of the blue for me honestly and and you know i just instinctively loved it because i'd grown up in the countryside grown up by the sea and knew that i never felt better than when i was barefoot and as everybody knows when they get home and take off tight fitting shoes feels great and it's just as simple as that and on many levels and you know sometimes we say we like we make shoes for people who don't like to wear them yeah that's so true especially me growing up as a gymnast i was always barefoot i ran around barefoot that's <laughs> something i loved and you know it, it's something that has felt very much back to my natural roots with being able to wear shoes that just allow your foot to be more natural. And I think it it's so interesting for people at first to see a wider toe box, a, a, a shoe that looks differently, you know, from the front because it doesn't have this natural like point <laughs> toward the toward the third toe. It's like, why would we even do that? Why would we bring the toes together at the top, but almost every shoe does. And it's so interesting when you see Vivos and it's like the natural foot. <laughs> How did you start to say, okay, let me take this shoe that has that's missing the bottom and then start to reconstruct the whole look of a shoe? Started from feet. We literally um, made the, you know, from the Nike shoe, um, just literally went to a factory and we 
I, I don't know how much you know about shoemaking, but the first thing you do is create a last, which is effectively the plastic foot shape that you then pull the materials over to make the shoe. And we literally just made a last that looked like our feet. We traced our feet, the, the, the natural shape. We gave a little bit of extra room for the big toe, made it completely flat. And it was incredible how the sort of shoemakers and the last makers were, were totally scornful of it. They were like, no, 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 that's not how you do it. That's mm. not how you do it. You shouldn't do it like that. And he's really like, Ugh. And, you know, we were relatively beginner shoemakers at, at, at that stage. Um, but we were, you know, like all good ideas, naive enough and sort of enthusiastic enough to just keep going and push it through. And the, the ver- I don't know if you know, the first Vivo Barefoot shoes we made had zips around them. So the idea was the sole was so thin and it was kind of the shoe, the only shoe you'd ever need. So you could, and because soles were so thin, they'd be easily repairable. You could just zip off a, the, the sole and get a new one. Or equally, you could just zip on different looks because that's all you ever needed was this sort of one base. But, you know, like all those ideas, like sofa beds and shorts that turn into trousers and things, <laughs> it, you know, they're not particularly good shorts or trousers <laughs> or beds or sofas. And, um, and we had terrible manufacturing problems and never quite got that right and then had to go to something that looked a bit more like Vivo as it does today. But that whole process was happening alongside all the education and um, and, and we were constantly then refining everything we were doing along the way. So if I can kind of return back to the state of shoes that were brought to you, you know, that, you know, how they are made a little bit more narrow, a lot more material. If you could maybe guess, or in your experience, why do you think the shoe trends started going that way? You know, building the shoe up more, giving it more things to, quote, help the foot or help the body perform in a certain way. I mean, do you have any ideas on why shoe marketing and shoe creation went that route instead of what you're doing now? Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely not just one story. And, you know, people talk about the, the beginning of, heeled shoes being around horsemen and you know being able to keep your feet in the in the stirrups mm. um or aristocrats kind of walking around in medieval cities wanting to raise themselves out of all the muck and guck and various ceremonial things like that and i guess in sort of aristocratic europe in the couple of hundred years ago it was all about horses obviously and walking around and you know it was a great status symbol to walk around in fine riding boots and it, and it made sense for them to have heels and it sort of almost became a self-propagating thesis that everyone was walking around in heeled shoes and and then sort of by the time obviously the modern sneaker industry as we know it came about and i don't know if you know the whole story but phil knight sort of called in a bunch of um, expert doctors because the original Nikes were, were really flat and really thin actually and, and actually fairly close to barefoot but a lot of people were getting injured when they were running in them and the doctors came and said well everybody's walking around in these heel dress shoes so you should make sports shoes that kind of mimic the heel as it were and so they started building in the big wedge and the heel toe drop off to sort of mimic traditional dress shoes of the time, which ultimately mimicked aristocratic riding boots and so forth. Uh, you know, there's a few other strands of shoe evolution that we could, we could dive into. There's a wonderful book called The Sex Life of the Shoe that um, 
you can dig into uh, any, anyone that's really interested in all the different historical connotations. But um, and and so you know, and and so began anyway this journey of the heel toe drop sneaker. Um, and as soon as you start messing with one bit, i.e., raising the heel, you then need to sort of compensate and overcompensate in other areas like pronation control, toe spring holding the foot steady so it doesn't wobble all over the place when you're kind of raising it up and away from the ground. And so gave birth to this 20th century phenomenon of underfoot technology. And, and on it goes, right? We're now in an era of mechanical doping, <laughs> which is <laughs> even more crazy. It's interesting that you bring up Phil Knight and I, because I had read when he was init- about when he was initially, you know, manufacturing all the shoes for his runners and his initial shoe for his runners looked more like the the track shoe that is you know like very minimalist on the bottom but like you said once you once he started trying to put those on your average person they weren't wearing anything like that at all and rather than telling people hey we might need to start changing what we put under our feet so that we don't continue to have these injuries when we try returning into our own body instead they just tried like we do like you said this mechanical manufacturing of our abilities start putting more equipment on us to try and quote make us better yeah i mean it's it's very interesting and and i want to know like have there been really big like what is some of the feedback that you can think of off the top of your head that's really changed the way that someone is feeling from switching from more of this protective Nike, what I'm used to wearing on my feet to then switching to barefoot. I think a lot of people, at least in my experience, you know, every time I post some some sort of barefoot, like the Vivos, you know, people get scared. They're like, I could never wear that. I need my arch support. I need my orthotics. And people get so scared. So what are some, what's some of like the feedback that you can remember that's really just changed people's lives? Well, I mean, one lady said to me the other day, oh, it feels like not wearing any knickers. Um, but in, 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 yeah, I think that in general, uh, one of the, the connecting things is people, obviously, when they get home, they always take their shoes off or when they're on holiday on the beach. And, and, and just that sort of simple connection of, do you walk, can you walk around your house comfortably with no shoes on? Can you walk down to the beach with no shoes on? And, you know, they just, it's just those, little simple connections that they almost sort of uh, have lost the sense of God, you know, how they can even operate as a human being without all this underfoot technology. I mean, obviously, you know, humans have been making barefoot shoes basically for thousands of generations. And the first shoes ever made were probably one of the first tools that humans ever made because we don't have hooves or pads, but when we started persistence hunting, we develop hunting sandals in the savannas of Africa and the Kalahari Desert made out of Elan skin that obviously protected the foot from extreme heat and, and uh, camel thorns. And then when we left Africa and went over, the, we needed thermal protection to cross the mountains and populate the rest of the world, etc. Um, even in the Arctic, where obviously people have been living for 
a few thousand years, the shoes are made out of reindeer skin, but they're still only kind of, they're still just moccasins. And so they're only just one layer of skin under the foot with a little bit of hay for insulation. And they, you know, they, they've been herding reindeer up in the Arctic and on very hard snow and ice wearing these moccasins for thousands of years. And now they're all getting rich and they're well supported by Scandinavian countries and things. They started importing in shoes from the, from the cities, um, sort of modern, technical, sort of, you know, big winter boots and things. And I've been lucky enough to go and spend some time with these people. And, you know, one of the things they say is like, well, that's just an old wives' tale in Sami land that when um, their, their um, knees or backs start hurting, all they need to do is just go back to wearing their traditional moccasins and, and they know it just makes them feel better and clears up all the problems. So conversely, in modern society, we're so used to wearing padded and supported shoes that when we go to not wearing them, it, it, it feels so unnatural, which is extraordinary. And I mean, one last thing I'd say about that is just, you know, there's now more and more research Obviously, running is extremely complicated. There's lots of variables involved and different techniques and whatever. And if you're not used to running barefoot, then it can take a little bit of time to transition. But just walking around in barefoot shoes, studies have started to show recently that it improves your strength in, in six months. Just walking around, no special exercises, no nothing, just walking around in barefoot shoes improves your strength by, on average, 60%, which is like just a stunning sort of number of improvement with no exercise, just walking around. And the point is not that wearing barefoot shoes makes your feet really, really strong. The point is how normal shoes make your feet really weak. And, and they're 60% below their kind of just natural base layer without any exercise. So most people in the Western world, and it's a public health scandal that kids arrive in adulthood with really weak, deformed feet. And so for a lot of people, that is their reality, that their feet are frankly pretty weak and deformed. And, and it can be a little bit uncomfortable to go back to just reawakening all the muscles in your feet and that natural strength. But, you know, is it worth it? Of course it's worth it, right? Uh, your whole body works better with healthier, stronger feet. There's no one that can dispute that. I really like how a couple of things you said in there how you talked about this try uh this group of people who you know they they needed to wear these big boots every once in a while but <clears throat> they knew that that was the exception not going back to the moccasins was the exception they went back to the moccasins to find their baseline and to and to return back to how their body naturally moved and i i think that's a, a really cool thing um we kind of wanted to go in that direction actually because you talked about them starting to have pain and we kind of want to talk to you about this concept of pain and how returning to using barefoot shoes or learning and becoming aware of how you can learn to use and support your feet through that. How does that help with pain? And have you in your own journey noticed how it's helped with pains in your body? I personally am I'm, I'm lucky that I've, I've been fairly injury free throughout my athletic life and, 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 and I probably got into barefoot shoes just in time. <laughs> um, but, you know, we constantly hear biblical stories about people who kind of discover wearing barefoot shoes and knee pains and back pains and hip pains and pain goes away from their body, plantar fasciitis, ankle pains, you know, tendon pain, all kinds of, 
And um, I mean, that, that's a sort of almost never-ending testimonial that, that, that we hear. And I think it's, I, I know you're sort of leading scientists and movement experts. I'm sure you could explain it a lot better than me, but, um, you know, all of your body's major functions start in your feet. And so your skeletal system, your muscular and tendon system, and your nervous system. And if your feet are sort of not functioning in their natural way, then you pay for that up the kinetic chain. And so when you've released them back to working well and functionally, it can sort of be like a bit of a domino effect back up through your body for things to, to start clicking back into place again. There's a, you know, there's a lot of connection between your thoracic spine, just your sensory awakening of your feet, for example, amongst many other things. Oh, yeah. See, you did it just fine. You didn't need us to explain it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think the other really cool thing is that you were into and researching sustainability and helping the planet before you even got into, you know, creating Vivo Barefoot. And so how have you incorporated that into the company and into the materials that you guys use? I think it's just a it's just a no brainer. I think for anyone of my generation, um, and you know, the, our, our goal is to have as minimum impact on 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 the body and minimum impact on the environment. And in fact, it's you know, it's it's not enough to be sustainable anymore. Um, so we talk about regeneration and having a net positive impact. Um, both up and down the supply chain and up and down the body. So, um, you know, it, 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 we've really got to search for net positive results these days. It's, it's, you know, you wouldn't, you don't, we don't want to sustain the world as it is. We need to rewild the world. We need to rewild our mindsets, rewild our bodies and find a way to sort of live back in harmony with nature and not apart from nature, but to be a part of nature. That's a quote from David Attenborough, by the way. <laughs> in, in my opinion, the sustainable shoemaking is barefoot shoemaking. It's the way humans have always made shoes. It's the way humans are healthy. It's the way they connect with nature through our feet, feel global warming through our feet. Like the sustainability journey is, is, is just a no-brainer. And it's a, it's a never-ending journey, honestly. We're starting from a pretty low base. We made shoes in fairly relatively standard ways as, as, as best we knew how. But to go from even where we are today and, you know, we've become a, a B Corp and we take it extremely seriously in everything we're doing all, all the time. But to go from where we are today to where we hope to get to is still a long, long journey. And we aim to basically do two strands of shoemaking. One, what we call supernatural shoemaking, where the shoes are ultimately come for regenerative agricultural supply chains um, so leather can be included in that but it has to come from wild animals and pasted no sort of animal agriculture um, at least in the way we know it today um, and then regenerative rubber farms or, or cotton and hemp or whatever other plants might be used avoiding you know as pos- as much as possible in permaculture settings etc and when then where the shoes are ultimately biodegradable and can be re- returned to nature and then at the other end of the spectrum is what we call let's say making shoes out of polymers mainly in the future will be 3d printed but those polymers as much as possible obviously need to never come from fossil fuels 
Um, some of them can come from plants, but in an ideal world, they come from third or fourth generation feedstocks, which means materials that are literally helping clean up the world. So you can make polymers now from greenhouse gases or you can make polymers from things like algae where due to over farming and too much nitrogen in the waterways you get harmful algae blooms kind of polluting and starving the waterways of oxygen. So you can hoover that algae up and make biopolymers out of it and then make products out of it. So always trying to figure out ways to have a net positive on the supply chain. But, you know, the truth is that, you know, we're, we're a long way away from that sort of being able to kind of give ourselves a perfect score on that scorecard. I think that we'll all continually be working and, and searching for that perfect score, wherever that is. And I don't want you guys to get off too easy because I think some of the stuff that you guys are doing is incredible. And I've had a little bit of the B Corp certification explained to me. I think that is something that um, I want you to explain to people a little bit more, just what that means and what that means you're doing for the world. Because although you say you have a long way to go, I think what Vivo is doing is really incredible for the awareness they're bringing to the materials in their shoes. Um, I know you also partner with other companies to create different collaboration shoes. Like one of the recent ones was the Woolmark, where you make sure you're using this Woolmark certified wool that is literally some of the best and most sustainably sourced wool that you can get in the world. So could you explain a little bit about this B Corp certification and then just some of the collaborations you do and why it's important to also collaborate with other companies? Yeah, so so B Corp is a it's a pretty big thing now. I think there's sort of thousands of companies all over the world. I know there's a lot going through the process. I would call it a community of companies called Benefit Corporations and it's a it's a great system of being able to basically score your... Well, first of all, you need to then, uh, to become a B Corp, you need to write into your articles of association and your legal documents that you exist as a business for the benefit of all your stakeholders uh, beyond just shareholders. Mm-hmm. And so you're there for the, to have a positive impact on society and you make a sort of legal pledge to that in, in your in your company documents. And then it gives you a really uh, neat sort of scoring system to look at all different aspects of your business, a lot of stuff around people and, and social and supply chain and then obviously environmental to be able to, I don't know, in many ways kind of create a clear framework and in some ways, let's say a level playing field where you can go through and you can score yourself against what, let's say, an, an ultimate regenerative company might look like, and then very clearly see where the areas that you still need to improve on or such and such. And a lot of it's around the way you organize your company, the type of employee practices are, so happy, how happy people are in your company, how careful and selective you are around the, the people you partner with and the, the supply chain, et cetera, et cetera. So that brings me neatly on to your second question around collaborations and things. And so we... We just set up a foundation this year called the Live Barefoot Foundation, and we tried to integrate that as much as possible into the business where we've created a fund, which is somewhat an impact fund. And the way we look at the supply chain is you have the first tier suppliers, which is your factories, second tier suppliers is the, the processing plants, and the third tier would be the, the agriculture, let's say. So, for example cotton farming and then the processing of the cotton and then the cotton gets turned into yarn and assembled in a factory 
and shipped around. So we start with the third tier where we like literally look at the raw material, either agricultural or, or, or feedstock companies that we work with. And in some cases, we try to make some investments or work with them to clean up the way they do things or do things in a better way, or at least when they're doing great things, help promote them. And, and then we try to work with the processing plants to make things as clean as possible. We work, let's say, with the, the tanneries or the material processors to look at all the effluents and treatments, and then ultimately the factories to make sure all the social conditions all the way up and down the supply chain are all fine and dandy and there are organizing rights and all clean, good working conditions. Um, it's energy positive facilities. And then, you know, importantly to collaborate with companies and, and, and brands and organizations that help promote the products, uh, bring them out into the world. And we've got lots of, you know, exciting collabor collaborations. And then of every pair we sell, a percentage then goes back to the the foundation that then works up through the supply chain to try and make it as regenerative possible. Like, you know, for example, Woolmark, working very closely with Woolmark and understanding and promoting what good wool versus not so good wool is and how we might be able to help and then how the wool is processed and how it's made into shoes and the collaboration will mark sell lots of shoes <laughs> money from the sales goes back into the foundation and round and round it goes wow i mean i love that thank you so much for breaking that down a lot and i also appreciate you just come off so humble and <laughs> not bragging about what you guys do which i feel like we brag about what you guys do a little bit more and how you've brought to life not only this shoe that works for the body but also for the environment and you know we just appreciate the brand so much the people in it the people we get to work with like you said you guys are really making sure the people who work within the brand as well are happy and that is the experience that we have with everyone we get to talk with happy people we get to have real relationships with people and it's it's such an incredible company that you're cultivating and you're creating and you're continuing to say, how can we make it better? And that's really incredible. And I love also that basically all my best friends wear them. <laughs> Any, anything I go to, we're all wearing the same shoe. <laughs> it's a never-ending journey of health and happiness. And it, it doesn't fall on your lap, right? You've got to work on it. You've got to keep working on it. And you know, the most important thing is to try and enjoy the process, enjoy the journey as it's Absolutely. And like you said, I think sharing it with other people and finding the people that share that same mentality, that share that same why is how we're going to continue to remove the underfoot machinery, slim that down, get people feeling back into their body, rewilding themselves and the world and the companies that you even work with. You're helping them clean things up too. Um, thank you so much for being on with us. If people listening could go look at one thing or some things that Vivo or yourself are doing, where would you want them to go after this? Our website is a, is a good place to find out what we're up to. There's a lot of information on there about everything we're doing. And most importantly, just, just try a pair of shoes. Just try going barefoot, um, whether there are shoes or, or, or someone else's barefoot shoes. Uh, we offer a 100-day free trial, so you can try them. If you don't get on with them after three months, then send them back, no quibbles. Um, and the most important thing is just to 
just to use them in your everyday life as relaxed and happy as possible. Movement should be a joyful thing, so don't overdo it. Enjoy it. Walk around at first, and then when you feel comfortable, just slowly build up the intensity. Um, but also, just as I said earlier, just walking around every day, and, and you can still use your normal shoes for whatever you go running in or go to the gym in. But the most benefit is just in your everyday life, just walking around with less shoes on and your your feet will transform like beyond recognition so quickly. The body's so adaptable. When you, It's got hundreds of intrinsic muscles and tendons and ligaments in the feet and they, they reawaken, you know, so quickly. And most importantly, your hundreds of thousands of nerve endings, your, your brain also reawakens and the part of your brain that gets information from your feet is the same size as gets information from your hands and so, you know, they, they, they link and walking around in padded shoes in a concrete world to sort of brain degenerative diseases because that part of the brain doesn't get the vital information it needs. So it's, it's part of your just general well-being to allow your feet to communicate with your brain and keep your brain in full function because so much of your brain is dedicated to movement. So if you want to have a sort of vital, happy life, then free your feet get out there and move more and enjoy it most importantly could not have said it better myself thank you so much galahad and we really appreciate and anything you guys are up to in the future we definitely want to hear about and be able to share so thank you so much oh yeah let's stay in touch and there we have it yet another amazing guest on the optimal body podcast so now what we ask of you if you loved any bit of that or resonated with it go share it out share it with a friend share it on your social media because you know there are more people out there that would resonate with it just the same also subscribe rate review on your favorite podcast app so we know what you want to learn or other guests that you think we should bring on for you in the future keep tuning in to find your optimal body